Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I am the host of the show, Lori LeBay, and um, I welcome you today. For those of you that are new, I just want to tell you a little bit about Bottom Line, this show, and all of Alzheimer's Speaks platforms was created due to my mom's journey of 30 years living with dementia and being a, a care partner and a dog for her. I just thought there had to be more resources out there. And so Alzheimer's Speaks was created to raise everyone's voice. So today we are doing an open mic session, which means anybody can call in and talk to us on the topic of Alzheimer's, dementia, caregiving. And that number is 323-870-4602. That's 323-870-4602. 4602 and we would love to love to hear from you. Now prior to um, starting the show and getting into our conversation, I always like to um, thank our audience listeners. You see your likes, your clicks, your shares has expanded our base so much. Um, it's almost ridiculous. I never thought the show would be international. And and, uh, I I just can't thank you each enough for doing that. You've gotten us recognized by Oprah and Maria Shriver and Dr. Oz and AARP and and so many others. And, again, I thank you because I just I really believe in this platform of sharing information. I think everybody has a story to share, and we would love you to be be part of that with us. So, um, Thank you so much. And again, if you'd like to call in today, the number is 323-870-4602. I also want to give a shout out just to a couple of organizations. The Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation, which takes a holistic approach to aging and illness. Um, You can get all kinds of information by going to their site at alzheimersprevention.org. You'll learn about diet and exercise and meditation and so many other things. And then Calendar Cards, who has a memory system to help people manage their daily lives who are diagnosed, um, have been so wonderful. And they have produced a memory cafe directory. So it's easy for people to find a memory cafe in their area. And it's also easy for people to list their memory cafes. And and Calendar Cards does not charge for that. And you can go to the, um, excuse me, memorycafedirectory.com. That's memorycafedirectory.com to find listings here in the U.S. And they're starting to develop listings in other states as well. And then the last I want to shout out to is uh, Maria Schreiber. She has the Women's Alzheimer's Movement, and she is just such a mover and shaker. She also has, every year, she does a an event called Move for Minds, where they combine exercise and diet and some panelists, and they and have have a lot of fun. She also has a very um, inspirational and motivational uh, paper called the Sunday Paper that's electronic. And so if you're interested in getting information on any of those, go to the womensalzheimersmovement.org. That's the womensalzheimersmovement.org. So first I'm going to um, introduce a couple of my uh, co-host with me today. I have uh, Bob Savage with us, who is from Connecticut, and I am going to let Bob go ahead and tell you all a little bit about himself, if you don't mind, Bob. No, not at all. It's a privilege to be on. Uh, My name is Bob Savage. I was uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's uh, three years ago, and uh, I am very active in doing advocacy and doing public speaking. And my primary purpose is to help reduce stigma 
related to dementia. Wonderful. Thank you, Bob. And then I want to also get on the line with us, uh, Dr. William Walsh. Um, Bill lives here in Minnesota, and actually I met him through a, a colleague of mine and a member of the Memory Cafe. So welcome, Bill. How are you doing today? I am doing just great, Laurie. Just doing fine. I'm excited to be on your program. Great. Can you tell people a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm a retired doctor. I, I am an allergist, a, a regular, first of all, as a regular doctor, I just like your internist or pediatrician or surgeon. And I chose the field of allergy as my specialty, and I practiced that for 40 years and retired uh, in 2010. And uh, the reason I became interested in allergy is, well, a couple of reasons. One is that uh, during my professional career, I treated literally thousands of patients who had food problems and got to understand, know and understand foods in our diet that are giving us trouble. Uh, And uh, secondly, I uh, myself uh, developed uh, Alzheimer's. Uh, in, in 2015, I was uh, a member of the board of the Ramsey County Library and head of their program committee. And uh, I needed to introduce a speaker, and it was just a short five minutes of introduction, or even less than that. And I found I was unable to do so, and that awoke me to the fact that I was really losing it and that I had to change my life or I was going to be going downhill pretty fast. Um, so... Uh, I have uh, I have authored a number of books uh, about allergy, and uh, with uh, coming back or out of the uh, dementia problem, I uh, authored a book uh, called um, Retaining the Mind uh, that talks about uh, my problems and, and where I identify in, in the diet the foods that give trouble. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Bill. And people can get Retaining the Minds on Amazon, I believe. Is that correct? That's exactly right. Absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah, because I I remember sitting down and talking with you initially, and you had said, you know, I couldn't really speak a full sentence anymore. And, you know, I would get lost, you know, if it wasn't a short sentence in terms of following conversation and then here you are I, I know earlier today you were you were involved in teaching a class so um and on thursday you're going to be a part of a panel for a roseville group as well uh on dementia yeah, I'm so so yeah, great. Um, we also have with us today Lisa Head, and so Lisa is—I'm going to let her just kind of tell her story too. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Um, yes, my name is Lisa, and I was diagnosed with uh, dementia in October of 2017, and so it's a little over a year ago. And I was a school teacher and an author before that. Um, so I have a YouTube channel where I try to show people what it's like to be the one with dementia because uh, all I could ever find were ones put out by caregivers. And so my hope is to help others so that nobody feels like they're walking this trip alone. That's wonderful. And Lisa, you want to give a plug for the name of your, your YouTube channel? Uh, Living Life with Lisa. Living Life with Lisa. Okay, wonderful. Well, today is just going to kind of be a free-for-all. Again, we um, welcome any and of our listeners to call in with questions or comments. Um, to uh, 323-870-4602. But in the meantime, we're just going to kind of have a conversation. And, and Bob, I know you were on Dementia Chats this morning, and you um, you had a topic that you were interested in just sharing with the public. And if you wouldn't mind um, telling us a little bit about that. Yes. Um, when I was uh, first <coughs> diagnosed, uh, immediately felt like I was dropped from another planet. Uh, People uh, would now talk to my wife. Uh, They would speak to me slower. 
And they, some of my friends were uh, very hesitant to be involved, not knowing how they could help me. But as far as I know, uh, my dementia is not contagious, and, and, but there are a lot of negative messages out there. And I would really urge that people don't discount us. We are still us, and we can live well with dementia. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about the stigma itself. How is please one do. to describe this? Oh, sorry, hon. Oh, no, I just said please do, Bob. Okay. How is one to describe the stigma that we currently experience related to dementia? It's the ongoing fear that people have experienced over generations as they watch their grandparents, parents, and friends disappear into the world of dementia. It's the ongoing message that keeps telling us that the numbers of people who will be affected by dementia is increasing at an unbelievable rate, increasing the odds that many of us will end up with it. Many of us currently are seeing our parents, friends, old and young, experiencing dementia, and there is no current cure or way of preventing dementia. So we see no hope as to how to slow down the progress. When I was first uh, diagnosed the first six months, I was seriously considering uh, suicide because of the fear of what was coming. And eventually, after about six months or so, I started to realize that there could be something more on how I could live my life. started to think, well, maybe I could spend more time with my grandkids or my friends. And th- then there was a, a person who gave us a workshop who talked about all the different things that we're all facing related to dementia, but then said one of the most important things that you can have is a sense of purpose. If you have a sense of purpose, things will start to happen for you so you can start to do things. And my sense of purpose became very clearly that of dealing with dementia. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to read a poem that I wrote just recently that describes a little bit of uh, what I mean by dementia. I was at a conference and uh, people from sorry here I'm getting it okay. I was at a workshop recently where staff from a dementia care facility was describing what they were doing to improve communication with the people living in their facility they used the term they at least 15 times when referring to the people living with them. And each time they said it, my stomach would cringe. So I wrote this poem called They. Who are these people who after one word we call them they? Did they have any choice as to why we call them they? Sometimes just one word, dementia, is why they are they. Is a person any different after dementia diagnosed as they? We still love, hate, think, enjoy, cry, be depressed after they. We still love our families, friends, have enemies after they. We still love movies, parties, vacations, traveling after they. We still have emotional upsets, anger, and frustrations after they. We definitely do not like the loss of independence after they. We don't like the loss of social contact after they. We do not like people deciding and speaking for us after they. We do not like being a burden to those we love after they. We like to continue to speak for ourselves after they. We like to be involved in all our decisions after our they. We'd like to set up new social contacts with others after our they. We like to be accepted in our communities after our day. So that poem sort of summarizes uh, a bit of how I'm experiencing stigma. I think it's a beautiful poem. And I, I think so many of us don't even realize we've categorized somebody differently and referring to mm. them differently. And so I think that your poem is a really, really nice reminder. And if it's if it's something that you would like um, published, I'd be more than glad to push that out on our blog and then in our on Alzheimer Speaks on our main page. We also have a, a place for poetry 
Um, so if you're interested in that, just shoot that to me, Bob, and, and I'd be glad to share that with others. I, I'd be very interested. I w- I'll send okay. it on to you. Okay, great. I'm going to just pull in um, Lisa and Bill for comments. I'm going to go to Lisa first. Um, what are your thoughts about about stigma? Do you, do you agree with what Bob is saying, or do you have some different twists to it? Oh, I absolutely agree with Bob's poem. He hit the nail on the head. Um, I was actually in a store one time with a friend, and we were looking for an item, and I was talking to the sales lady, and um, it was an item for dementia, and she told me that as far as she knew, nobody used this particular item for dementia. And I said, well, I have dementia, and I use it, and... She turned to my friend and then finished the whole conversation with my friend and never acknowledged me again. Oh my gosh! Once she heard that I had it. She, uh, I all of a sudden couldn't talk, and that's so, so we sad. walked out of there. Yeah, so that's very true. And you know, I have uh, friends that have walked away after they heard, and others that stuck by. So. Oh, and that that right. has to be so so hurtful, um, Lisa. When that happened, did you did you talk to your friend about how you felt, or did they just recognize it up front? Um, well, I just realized one day they weren't around anymore, uh, so there's not really you know they won't admit. I can't go up and say, "Are you hiding from me because I have dementia?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. But but I. Uh, you know, like the sales girl, I never even occurred to me to say anything to her. And at the time, I was so shocked. And we went out to eat afterwards, and my friend said, did you notice that she only talked to me after you told her? And I said, yes, I did notice that. I just wasn't sure I was reading it right. So. Wow. It's a, yeah, it's that, a whole education thing out there. Yeah, I, I've heard that so many times from so many people that, and, and Bob, I think you were the one that said one time on a dementia chat, it's just in a second, your life changes when you get that diagnosis. It's just everything, right. everybody looks at you different in just just that second. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's combined with fear. You know, it, it's amazing how quickly it changed. Mm-hmm. It, it sort oh, yeah. of scares, it scares the one who's being dementiatized. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, Bill, it's amazing how quick. I'm sorry, yeah. Okay, I was just going to pull Bill into the conversation here and see what his thoughts are regarding stigma. Uh, I, I, pardon me. I think that there is quite a bit of stigma, and I do agree uh, with what has been said before. Uh, pardon me. Okay. <clears throat> But there's also a lot of hope, and and I guess I've always operated on hope, and and perhaps unrealistically, but uh, throughout my life, throughout uh, college and medical school and and treatment and so forth, that they're always looking for the way to make things better. Um, And right now, there's really quite a bit of hopeful uh, thoughts. Uh, uh, For instance, we, we know that we can delay the onset of, uh, Alzheimer's uh, significantly uh, by diet changes and by exercise, and that gives us a feeling. Hey, wait a minute! If we can do it, if we can delay the onset, how about going further? And in my case, like you mentioned, uh, Laurie, I for four years ago I could hardly talk. I, I could not talk in long sentences because by the time I hit the end of the sentence I forgot how, what I started the sentence for. I, I could not keep appointments because I couldn't remember them and uh, this uh, Thursday I will be uh, giving a speed, uh, talk in uh, the library and, uh, and I'll have 20 to 25 minutes and I'm going to operate from one little uh, 3 by 5 card uh, it just if if you see uh, my feeling is that there is that there's hope out there and if you uh, look for the hope and and change uh, your life to go with the hope um, that uh, the if 
in the future, uh, I think we're going to see more and more people controlling their dementia better. Yeah, there there is hope. I know that um, I've talked with a lot of people regarding, you know, the diet, because I know the diet you are on is extremely strict, and that can be um, a little tricky for people uh, to deal with. And some people just choose not to. Um, you know, it's too um, too much of a constraint for them. But but everybody yeah, everybody is different in that. I think I think Lisa, we had a conversation one time about diets, and um, if I and correct me if I'm wrong because I I could get it mixed up. But I thought it was you that said if I want a slice of pizza, I'm having a slice of pizza. Um, <laughs> And, you know, still about enjoying life. And, and, and to you, that's a, that's a real important factor, if I'm remembering correctly. So, again, don't please, uh, please state uh, if, I'm, if that wasn't you who said that. But um, I believe, yeah, that was I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's all about balance and what do you want out of life and, and you know, how do you look at it? Bob, have you tried anything with diet at all? Uh, I, I eat a very light diet. Uh, I don't have any specific foods that I eat, but I'm eating much less than intentional. I eat less meat and I eat more vegetables. And I, I eat a lot of fruits and salad. Uh, okay. But I do. The point I'd like to, to talk with Bill about, too, is uh, I agree wholeheartedly with him about hope. But what, what my point was more about the, the world around us and the stigma that, uh, and I don't think, you know, in being uh, with Laurie and being with other people, I see a lot of hope with the people that have uh, dementia and how they're struggling with their, their life. What I'm concerned about is the numbers of people out there that are very hesitant to get a diagnosis because of their fear. And the longer, as you know, the longer they go, the longer that the, uh, the, the, the problem can be once they are diagnosed. So I, I'm just so impressed with, with people who uh, have got the diagnosis, are willing to start to live their life with a sense of purpose, and are able to make the accommodate changes they need to do that. But again, what I'm worried about more, what I'm scared about more, is the uh, the very strict, uh, the very serious dementia out there, which is really uh, limiting the amount of funds that are available to people who are trying to live well uh, with dementia. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree with you just a hundred percent. And both Lou and Lori said things that are important. One is the very difficulty of. But following a diet like I do, the diet works super for me. But other people, you essentially you essentially give up about everything that you like to eat. And there are a lot of people who just don't do that. And, and I see that every day in my uh, in my life. I see the people that can walk around with that blank look that shows you that they've got the dementia coming in and have they changed their diet? No. Do they, even those people who know me and know that that is how work for me are not doing it. Uh, I think the only hope that I see of that coming is having people like Laurie and, and other people who are specialists in the field who uh, can help these people to change their lives so that they can take advantage of what modern science is telling us about uh, dementia. I don't think I. I think I can write. In fact, I've got a second book that's about ready to go. I was. I think I'm going to turn it over within the next month to the people who publish. Uh, but that is a little bit like um, uh, a failing, a failing uh, a way of doing. I'm, I'm, I'm sucking on a way to say this, but. Uh, if if the people who are in the daily care in uh, helping uh, people with Alzheimer's don't take it up and help other people to live the life that I have to live. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Um, Lisa, is there any particular topic that you, you know, because you're connected really well with um, with people with dementia, especially through your, your um, living life with Lisa videos, um, topics that are really important that you think we need to 
talk about, I think stigma is always going to be there for a long, long time. And I think that's what's so beautiful about hearing all of your voices out. Because, I mean, some people will just be shocked that a person with dementia can even talk, you know, um, let alone carry on a conversation because they seem to think it's all end stages. But I'm sure there's other issues out there that you're hearing about. Um, Do you have any you'd like to share? Well, I just feel that the there's really in my area nothing set up for people that get dementia. Uh, it's mostly for the people that are caring. There's no support groups for people that have it. There's uh, really I um, have I'm still raising three boys, and there's no agencies that can care for me and my boys. They care for me, but they can't care for my boys, which means that I'm well enough to take care of three growing boys, but I can't take care of myself when they do that. So um, the society's not set up for people that are of a younger age getting it. And I was a lot worse uh, at one point, and I started using... CBD oil drops under my tongue about a year ago, and now I no longer switch topics in the middle of the sentence or um, check out, as they say. Uh, So uh, I think that helps. But there's just so many things that aren't set up for for us. It's kind of like once you get dementia, you just go sit in a chair somewhere and there's nothing, you know, like when I was told, uh, I was told when I was 53 years old that I had dementia, and then I was sent on my way with a little piece of paper with the definition of dementia. And so <laughs> there's nothing set up with any kind of uh, social worker or anything. So I just wow. think that there's no, there's no safety nets anywhere in our society for this, or at least not with the doctors that know to give it to us when we're diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Oh, can, I, can I break in on that? Sure. I do agree with you very much. Um, I I look at intelligence as being the two parts. One is book intelligence and the other is street smarts. And I think when you go to a doctor to get a diagnosis of uh, the dementia, which is terribly necessary that you do that, um, that's book smart. Uh, But when you want to know how to live the daily life, then there are, like in our city, there are uh, groups of people who have the street smarts who will sit down with you and go through what they know because the doctor who gave you that uh, diagnosis might be able to make the diagnosis but doesn't really understand the life and the uh, stigma and so forth that a person with, uh, like us, who has the dementia uh, goes through. So I guess that this is a plea to find your local uh, people who have dementia and, and, and join them, and there you'll find so many of the answers that you're looking for. Uh, if I could jump in, too. Uh, we have uh, support groups. Uh, for people with dementia, run by people with dementia. And we've been doing this now for about two years. And it's it's amazing how effective it is that immediately people start to trust each other. And out of that comes uh, usually some idea what they would like to do to contribute to society as a whole. And so mutual support... I agree with you so much. Yeah, yeah. The, the mutual support by people with dementia, when we come together, there's no stigma. And we, we all have something in common. And we, I just, we just had a support group yesterday with a woman who was there for the first time, who was a former teacher, and was having a hard time now to speak. And uh, she had five minutes to describe her issues. She was very, very eloquent in speaking because she felt trusted there. So, again, uh, and I agree with you, Bill, too, that uh, 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 if the people in your area, and Lisa, if the people in your area that you know have uh, dementia, we really come together and work to support each other, 
It's very effective. And Gloria is really in the middle of that and doing a beautiful job. Right. She is, right. Well, thank you. Thank you. I try. There's just, uh, it's nice to see that there's so many um, avenues out there, but the problem is the general public still doesn't know they exist. And so right. it takes all of our voices to keep pushing this because our, our, our standard, you know, kind of government agencies and stuff aren't disseminating the information. And there, plus there are so many grassroots things and that, that are happening or individuals that have had an experience. And I think that there's this, you know, in the past, it's always been, well, if there's, you know, somebody has to be vetted and they have to be an organization or they have to be a nonprofit. And, you know, those organizations, in my, in my eyes, haven't been able to deliver the amount and the type of services needed. And so what's happened is it's happening in this grassroots kind of individual, you know, uh, places and no one's connecting people to all of these things. And um, instead of, you know, trying to reproduce what's happening, it's just nice to be able to send them off and, and let people make their own decisions because everybody has different priorities. Everybody has different needs. Everybody has different, you know, financial budgets that they're working with or, you know, location limit to, I can't even talk, limits. Um, or um, even access. Not everything has to be in person anymore. And I think so much of it was still structured that it has to be in person. And we are seeing so much happening, you know, through radio and podcasts and TV and cable and, you know, video chats. And there's just so much through social media where information is being disseminated, but it's not being um, cultivated and collected in, a, in an easy fashion for both professionals and um, and families. And that's one of the things I'm excited about. I'm, I'm working with a company called Provalence. And if you go to alzheimerspeaks.com, that we have a resource tab, and it's just it just has a little bit of information in there compared to what it what it'll have. But uh, like the Mayo Clinic is going to be one of the major content producers, and but even if you go out looking for information, a lot of times if you even Google a hospital or, or clinic with the word dementia or Alzheimer's, nothing pops up. And yet, if you Google heart disease or cancer, all of those things pop up. And so, I mean, that's that's a big thing that has to change so that people can get connected and, and can find information. And sorry, I went off on a tangent there, but but I really, um, I really believe that, you know, we've got to do better and we've got to collaborate to make that happen. And um, and that's one of the reasons I appreciate, you know, all of your time so much because your voices are really helping make a difference and and giving people a, a little space to breathe and not feel so overwhelmed because you're setting examples of, of somebody who is living with the disease and living with it honestly because it's not all going to be, you know, every single day. It's going to have ups and downs, just like life does um, before dementia hits. Um, I wanted to ask Bob. You you have done a, a lot with advocacy where you're at. Can you touch base on kind of some of your arts projects and stuff too that you've done? Because that's another I think stigma where people think people with dementia can't can't do stuff like that. Yeah, I. Uh... <clears throat> I never painted my life until I got dementia. And I, uh, I, the Alzheimer's Association here uh, at that time would uh, drive us to a, a local museum. And after they would show the showings of the art, we'd have a short, uh, an hour or so on, uh, on uh, teaching how to paint. And uh, that really started me going. Uh, I uh, now here, I live in assisted living, 
And after 5 o'clock at night, they have this beautiful art room, art studio. And I spend most, a lot, most of my evenings there painting. And I find it such a wonderful way to relax. And my room is full of paintings, and I give them to staff. They're everywhere. And uh, I'm now very heavily into abstract painting. And I just submitted a large one to uh, a, there's a conference, oh, Dementia International, I think, is having a conference in June. And they have an art competition. And I sub- submitted a, a very large piece of art. And so, uh, we, we won't hear for another month or so, but uh, uh, I got support from here to send that. But art, uh, what, I, what I'm finding there is I, 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 I start a, a piece of art, and I never know where it's going. And I let, I let my emotions flow. And the, the messages that come out of that art is, is just amazing. It surprises me. And the point there is that there's ways of communicating through our brain and through our emotions that are tapped by poetry and tapped by music and tapped by, by a painting. So it's, and it's an easy thing to do. Much easier, than I, and it's not. I don't do art that I have to do it a certain way. I do my own art the way I want to. I say, I remember when I had art in school. They say, "Oh, you got to do it this way," and you, know, you failed again. <laughs> so <laughs> art, art's a way of freeing a lot of your emotions, and I find it very, very. Uh, if I have a difficult day, uh, when I art is helps to to repair whatever that the issues are during that day. Mhm. Wonderful. Well, and I think it's Dementia mm-hmm. Action Alliance that is having that um That's right. conference That's in right. June. And yeah. I was just trying to they switched their their um page up here, but it oops, where did it go? I can find the dates. So it's Dementia Action Alliance and their website is daanow.org, daanow.org. And it'll be their second dementia conference, June 20th through the 22nd, at um, Weston Buckhill or Buckhead Hotel, and that's in Atlanta, Georgia. But you can get more information by going to danow.org. And their conference is really different because the majority of the speakers have dementia. And you know, so, go ahead, know, Bob. Laurie, an interesting, interesting thing about this is that the. Only people who uh, can submit their art are people who have dementia, and mm-hmm. and have learned to pay, started to paint only after they had their dementia. And it's not only art; it, there's pottery, there's uh, all different things that uh, people can show. But I, I was very impressed with the fact that uh, well, you have to prove your dementia before you can qualify. That doesn't yep. happen too often. Yeah, I, I, I just think it's a, no, it's a great organization. Go ahead, Lisa. No, I said, he's right. You usually don't have to prove it to anybody. <laughs> That's wonderful, Vig, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, too funny. Too funny. Um, yeah, I was looking yeah. on the site to see if I could find about the art submission, but I'm not seeing that. But I'm sure if you contact them, they would... Uh, Love to love to get a hold of you and talk talk more on that yeah, for sure. The deadline the deadline for submitting is the fifteenth of January, so it's getting okay. short. Okay, yep, that's creeping up here quick. I'm going to just yeah, look uh, at, at the conference page and see if there's anything more that I can see at a glance without digging too digging too deep on that. Oh, they're bringing Kate Swifter in from um, Dementia Australia. Alliance International. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that's neat. One. Yep. And then uh, Paya from uh, Toronto is going to be there, and Al Powers are all going to be the yeah. keynote speakers. So that's cool. And uh, early bird registration goes through April 15th. Deadline. Oh, it's a deadline proposal um, for submissions. Oh, that's passed. So we're good with that. And they're going to do an intensive with Al Power on June 20th, um, plus the conference on the 20th through the 22nd. So, yeah, it should be a, should be a lot of fun. So feel free to, to contact them on that. That would be, that would be great. Uh, Lisa, are you 
you involved with the DAA at all? Are you talking to me? No, to Lisa. Oh, Lisa. Okay. Oh, am I involved with who? With uh, Dementia Action Alliance? Uh, no. Okay. I'm not that might familiar. Be... Uh, well, that's maybe I'm going to say I'm not familiar with them, but that may be one that she told me about several times that I forgot. You know. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that might be something, Bill, uh, for you, too, uh, to uh, check into. And, um, Bob, I don't know, are you a member or are you just submitting your artwork with them? Are you- I, am a, I am a member. I, I, I'm part of a support group there, too. So. Okay, that's what I, that's what I thought. Um, the other thing I think that's, that's good to talk about, too, when people are looking for support and stuff, is dementia mentors, and I'm just wondering if any of you had gone through uh, that process with dementia mentors. And Bob, I'll start with you, and then go to Bill. I have not. Uh, I've been tempted to try it, but I just haven't had the, uh, haven't been able to do it yet. Okay. But I hear it's very effective. Uh, you have a one-on-one with somebody who's an expert, and uh, it, I, I think it's effective for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, For those of you that don't know, Dementia Mentors is an organization that really is devised of people with dementia. And so if you're newly diagnosed, you can call in and um, or email them and and get hooked up with a mentor. And that mentor actually has dementia. And so they I know that they try if you have like um, frontal temporal lobe, they'll try to hook you up with someone who has that. Or if you have bluey body, they try to hook you up with somebody with a, the same type of dementia. And um, they have people all around the world that are connecting with this. And this isn't just a one-time thing. A lot of times they'll meet every week or two weeks, um, depending on what their schedules are, just to help somebody get acclimated to living with dementia on that. So, um, Lisa, did you have you ever been in contact with Dementia Action Alliance? Or not Dementia Action Alliance, but Dementia Mentors? Uh, no, I've had people talk about it, but um, I didn't know what it was. And mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Um, I know well, that um, some people say they're mentors, and I didn't know what that meant. So, yeah. Yeah. As far well, as, I, uh, and you're kind of connecting with people on your own through doing your videos yeah. and stuff. But it but it is nice, I think, just to have that other other support. Um, Bill, have you ever gone to uh, or contacted Dementia Action Alliance or Dementia Mentors? No, I have not. I, I feel that I very much want to be in the field of dementia care, but my way of doing it would be through uh, publishing and through speaking. Yeah, Dementia Action Alliance might might be um, a good connection for you, actually. I find they're, the they're... local. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I find the local uh, Alzheimer's group uh, very worthwhile for me, <clears throat> and I, I enjoy being part of that. Okay, so you're referring to our Roseville group, or are you talking yeah, about the? Right. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. And with that, we're we're called Roseville AD, and uh, Bill and I both live in Minnesota, um, in that area, and um, we do educational programs just about monthly, um, and coordinate with the city and uh, the library system there, and so it's uh, you know we usually get. I mean, on the low side, maybe 30 people, and on the high side, up to 110 uh, per presentation. I think our, our max is about 100, 110 in the room. And uh, it's it's very exciting, you know, to see all the different variables come together from people with dementia to um, families uh, and uh, professionals in the area, you know, trying to educate and, and elevate awareness. Our library system there had develop kits called the memory minder kits and they have three different levels and I think they're working on one for Louie body if I'm not mistaken um, so they have got one for um, early middle and later stages and they package different things together that help both 
the person with dementia and the care partner to engage and and learn in a different fashion and stuff. So that's kind of kind of neat. That um, before I forget, I did want to read a poem of uh, truthful loving kindness, who is part of our dementia. Oh chat yes, group. yes, yes, yes. And I read it. Yeah, it's it's a very powerful. Um, poem and she just she does an excellent job she's got a a wonderful blog um, as well but it's called the floating words and true was talking today you know she's been living with symptoms for almost 20 years now and she's struggling more with words like she can't be part of the radio show because she can't follow a conversation by phone she really needs to be in person or doing kind of a video chat and even that has um, become more difficult, she said, for her. So it's called Floating Words. Words float around and pass me. Sometimes they splash against my body. I hear them spoke. I understand each word. I reach for them, but mostly they just float around me without joining, without coalescing into concepts that I can grab or hold or understand. Sometimes I'm able to grab a passing thought and hold it, Finally, understanding, responding to the speaker and building relationship. But then it's gone again. Words float around and pass me. Sometimes I feel alone and require visuals or touch. And I just I just thought that was such a great poem because I, I think so many people are struggling with this, but a lot of us as care partners or just the general public don't understand the difficulty um, that you're dealing with um, with dementia in terms of understanding. Um, Lisa, I'm going to go to. Can I break in? Oh, sure. Go ahead, Bill. That's exactly the way I felt four years ago when I was deep into it. Uh, and uh, words, the way that she expressed it is exactly the way that I felt about it as I would talk. Uh, I would. The words would come and go on me, and, and I had great difficulty in, in putting together a sentence, and, and a long sentence became just impossible. So I think that that poem is just super good. Yeah, I was really impressed. When I saw it written, it was in a closed group, and I said, is there, you know, can I get permission to publish this? I just think it's something that that would help people understand. And she's like, absolutely, you know. So <laughs> we, if you go to the Alzheimer Speaks blog or um, Alzheimer Speaks website, we have a poetry session section there um, that I posted it in as well. Lisa, what are your thoughts on the poem? What's my what? What are, what are your thoughts on the the poem I read, "Floating Words"? Did oh, that click with it. you at all? Oh yes, and it also shows that um, even though to the outside world she looks like she can't understand anything and is having a hard time speaking, she is aware of it and is still truthful inside. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And even though she would seem different on the outside, she's still that same person on the inside. Yep. Yeah, very good. And Bob, I know that you that you liked it. Um uh, another thing I want to mention and I don't know uh how many people actually saw this or not, but I posted a blog called We Are Family. And it features two dear friends of mine. One is a retired sociologist, uh, Dr. Kathy Greenblatt, uh, who's out in California. And then um, Corinne uh, Mander, who is a film producer and director over in Australia. And they've done a lot of combination projects. And the last one they did is called We Are Family. And it's uh, it, it just shows about how you can live a beautiful life with dementia. And the um, the film is, I want to say, probably about a half an hour long. But it, it's just this Dr. David Sheard is the creator of the butterfly model, and they kind of throw everything out the door. And so they don't wear uniforms because they want to be family. Staff always eats with the residents. Um, at nighttime, the staff even wears pajamas. 
So because that can disorient their residents. If someone's dressed, well, then maybe I should be dressed and stuff. And they don't do the typical dementia training either. They sit their staff down, and instead of talking about what dementia is like, they dig into their own lives and say, when, when were you your most vulnerable? And they get them to really think about how scary it can be for people with dementia in different situations. And it really, you know, it comes at them from a heart level in terms of changing how they interact with somebody in terms of being more compassionate. And they've done four other films that are also listed on the blog um, that are just um, just fantastic. Um, one was uh, with Silverado Corporation called Love Lives Here. Another one was called It Takes a Community which was uh, from over in Australia. And another one is Finding the Why, which was over in Australia. And then Love, Loss, and Laughter, Living with Dementia, um, talks about uh, Dr. Kathy Greenblatt um, actually has an exhibit that can tour. Um, it was toured all around the world. So if anyone's looking for photography um, that they would like uh, to have and uh, at, at their community or organization or maybe at City Hall. It doesn't make a difference where conference. Um, beautiful, beautiful um, piece, which is uh, just another, it's just another uh, medium to be able to try to change people's perceptions. And that's one of the things that I've loved about adding, you know, the radio in and doing the video chats and stuff that we do with dementia chats. I think all of those things add to the the ability for people to not only take things in, but really absorb and understand at their level. Because we all learn learn differently. Um, now, Bill, you had talked that you're going to be, you know, doing. You spoke this morning. You're going to speak again on on Thursday. Lisa, have you been doing any speaking at all? I know that you you speak when you do your your um, video blogs, um, Living Life with Lisa. But have you done any formal speaking? Is that of interest to you? I haven't done any formal speaking, but yes, it is of interest to me. The closest I came, I uh, did a video for Cup of Snow, and mm-hmm. that may be it. <laughs> okay. So. And where are you located again? I'm located in Indiana, in the okay, middle of cornfields. Okay, that I was thinking you were in Indiana. I just wanted to make sure. So if anybody is listening, and I really encourage um, conferences to have people with dementia, you know, be one of their featured speakers or have a panel and do an interview um, process. Every conference I go to, I, I, it's always top on my list to try to see if I can get that coordinated because I think the value is just so, so high. And, um, Bob, you're still doing speaking out in Connecticut, correct? I do a lot of speaking. Uh, we do a number of uh, – we do a lot of Dementia Friends, uh, mm-hmm. setting up at Dementia Friends, and uh, do a lot of uh, – we have a what we call To Whom I May Concern, uh, and it's uh, people with uh, dementia. Uh, speaking to people in the audience about their experience. And it's uh, sometime when I have more time, I'll tell you how it's uh, processed. Uh, but it's very powerful. Okay. So I'm very active. Great. And, and, and I, it, learned, I learned so much. <laughs> I get more out of it than in the audience, I tell you. Well, that's how I feel as a speaker, too. You know, it's yeah. uh, it's very, very important stuff. That you uh, you're always learning, you know, um, or right. we should be, as far as I'm yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'm just going to mention one other um, blog post that I did, and I had the opportunity this last um, this last year to go out to Ages Living in Washington and in California, and their owner uh, Dwayne Clark did a beautiful talk explaining their care culture and what was neat was it wasn't all about the residents and the family it was really about their staff and the the culture of how 
how the organization cares for them because they, you know, they don't want turnover and everybody's struggling out there um, with their turnover in staff and trying to find enough people to care for those who they've, you know, said that they would care for. I don't care if it's, you know, home health care or if it's a hospital or a clinic or um, a memory care assisted living. Everybody is scrambling for, for staff out there. And Dwayne really talks about how he's, built and nurtured his company and it's it's just really um an inspiring uh talk it's almost kind of like a, a ted talk in some ways with that so what, if you're interested what's the name in that, of the what's the name of Dwayne's organization um aegis it's but it's a e g i s a e g i yep a e aegis a yep aegis living um, and if you if you just go to our blog, Alzheimer Speaks blog, um, and put in ages, there'll be a couple things that come come up because I just uh, did an interview with um, a okay, music good. therapist and a, and an art therapist. But the the talk on the care culture will come up, um, and that good. was I want to say I posted that like Jan- January fifth or sixth something and, like and that. And what's the person's name? Dwayne Clark. And it's, okay. Yep, and it's D W A Y N E. Yep. Right. Dwayne Clark. Yeah. Okay. So, so that, I got, I'm gonna look that up because we're doing a lot of work here about that with that. Oh, cool. So. Cool. Well, any last comments that you have, Bob? I can't believe our hour's almost blown by. Uh, I just know, have I a quick I, 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 I'm very impressed with what Bill had to say, you know, what Lisa had to say. And each time I, I always like to be on these because I learn a lot. And, uh, and it's also good to be able to share. Great. Me too. Thank you for being with us. Lisa, you had a comment? Um, I had a quick question. Mm-hmm. Um, where would I go to see about starting a group in my area? Because we don't. You know, we can't just put it in the paper. I don't know how to start one. Oh, for a memory cafe? Yeah. Are you thinking? Um, you go yes. to memorycafedirectory.com, and you can register your group there, or I'd be glad to sit and talk with you about how to start one up. Um, and I'll I'll put that um, in your uh, Facebook note, too, where you can um, – search that out and uh, see it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's nothing in, in your area, but we'll we'll get you that information. Definitely. Um, and again, that's um, the memorycafedirectory.com. So, Bill, any last words from you? Well, I'm just enjoying being with you and, and anything that we can do to advance the care of the people with with. Um, Dementia, I'm I'm all for it, and I'll be there. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you all for your time and your support and your insights today. I really appreciate it very much. In wrapping up, I'm just going to give a shout-out to a couple other organizations. One is the Purple Table Reservations, and they are a group that are trying to educate uh, restaurants and get them into an app where people can kind of search for a restaurant who knows how to deal with dementia, post-traumatic stress, autism, who is just a little bit more conscious um, and knows where might be best to seat somebody, what lighting is best, and there isn't anything obnoxious or it's going to make you stand out. Uh, it, It just is going to be a little more smooth process. And right now the they have a few restaurants, but not as many as people would like. So you can go to purpletables.com. That's purpletables.com to get more information um, on their program. And if you know of any restaurants maybe they should approach, please let them know that. And in the meantime, have a wonderful, wonderful week. And keep in mind, this is Alzheimer's Awareness Month, so spread the word. Share share a radio show or go to alzheimerspeaks.com and get further information. Um, we're all about trying to be there and meet your need. And maybe next open mic, you'll join us. You're always welcome. Thanks, everybody. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Hey everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.